This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to release yet another one of our interviews that we did at the Canadian Paralympic Committee Summit. This time, we speak to para-canoe athlete Brianna Hennessy. I also have some uh, updates for you as to what she's been doing in the world lately as she was at an international event recently. Uh, Plus, we're going to be chatting about hockey and what that's been like uh, as there are no more Canadian teams in the event. So all that coming up and much, much more. You never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. You know it. Let's get into our headlines. Neutral Zone Headlines. The 2023 draft lottery ordery has been confirmed, and as our friend from the show Ryan Bennett is very pleased that the Chicago Blackhawks will pick first in this year's NHL draft, which will be held in Nashville later this year. All things are pointing to Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League will be picked first overall in this draft. The Para Ice Hockey National Championships will take place this weekend in Montreal, Quebec. We encourage you to go to www.parahockey.com slash fr slash index.html for all of the details, including results and the live feed information. I have had a chance to enjoy this particular event in person when it was here in Elmira. Uh, just outside the GTA not too long ago, a few years ago. And I definitely encourage anyone who is local to this to go check it out. We wish everyone the best of luck this weekend. The Goalball National Championships recently wrapped up in Ottawa. Here are the final results. Women's side, gold, Team Ontario. Silver, Team Nova Scotia. Bronze, Team Alberta. On the men's side, gold, BC, Silver, Alberta, Bronze, Ontario. We congratulate everybody on their success and uh, wish them all the best in their future endeavors as national championships usually signifies people are going towards Team Canada. Wheelchair Basketball Canada and CBC Sports will be providing streaming coverage of the Ottawa Invitational Wheelchair Basketball Tournament coming up on May 17th to 21st. The event will involve Canada, the Netherlands, and USA as each team prepares for this summer's IWBF World Championships taking place in Dubai. This particular event, the Ottawa Invitational Wheelchair Basketball Tournament, will take place at the Raven's Nest at Carleton University in beautiful Ottawa, Ontario. Good luck to all teams. Those are your headlines for this week. And uh, sometimes I need a little bit of inspiration as to what we're going to talk about in the beginning of the show. And today that inspiration came from our very own Claire Buchanan, who tweeted the following... At Edmonton Oilers, you might want to add, if you are able, when you are telling 
people in capital letters to stand for the national anthem and statement. So my question for you guys today is, does the language used in public address announcers situations offend, bother, make you lift an eyebrow as to what terminology they may or may not use? Cameron, start with you. Um, for me, it, it didn't. I didn't really think about it um, until I actually heard it, and then I thought, man, that is a great way to show inclusivity, uh, to show that some people are, you know, people with are in wheelchairs as an example, and they're not able to stand. So by saying that statement, it makes them included. So I think it's a great statement to uh, have in there. And I think uh, all over the world, um, you know, if you're at a sports venue, um, they should include that as far as if you're able to, because that just makes you uh, feel uh, a part of uh, being, you know, included. From my perspective, I certainly would appreciate that consideration. Uh, when making a public address statement such as that, it's it's relatively simple to do. It's just a matter of changing your mindset and, and realizing that not everyone can stand. However, I'm not a person who necessarily really takes stock of, oh, that, that particular sporting event, I was told I had to stand for the national anthem. I know what I can do. Unless there's some miracle of modern medicine or some kind of miracle of something else, which we won't get into on this program, I'm not going to be standing anytime soon. So for me, it just kind of rolls off my back. I don't really think about it. But there are those who, who do find it important to be thought of and included. And for those people, I think this is a very, very easy thing to fix. So for me... I, uh, before any of this types of words, language was used at public uh, address announcing situations at sporting events or anywhere else for that matter, I never really gave it two thoughts until I heard it one day and I heard as you were able. And the reason I'm going to pick as you are able is because for me, for those of you that don't know, because as you're looking at my wheelchair, you're looking at it and you're kind of thinking, oh, it looks like a standard electric wheelchair. And it is. But the as you are able point stands out to me because as I am able, if I'm taking it for my own self, I am able to raise my chair up to about four four and a half feet to five feet somewhere in that neighborhood and to me that signifies that i am standing uh, for the national anthem or any other situation where i might be asked to stand and that's where i sort of see the as you are able point uh to be emphasized i've been uh walked up to in different circumstances who people will say to me oh i love the fact that you did that you you know this is the, your way of being able to um, stand and you feel included and but before that language of as you were able um, I would have never thought about it guys any final comments before we move on Cameron yeah no it's just um, and it's probably like just the pretty much the same words but uh, yeah if you're able to 
Um, I think what I usually hear at the Argos game when I uh, go to the Argos game, if you're able. So I just think it's a great way to reach out to a community of, you know, people in wheelchairs or if they're not able to stand to make them feel included. And uh, there's so many things each day that we just take for granted that um, the language is for able-bodied people. Um, but we just take it as that's the way it is and it doesn't even phase us anymore. So when things do stand out like that, it's kind of a nice little hug to make me feel all warm and fuzzy and sad. Well, there you go. I know for myself, uh, much like you, Brock, with your, your raising your wheelchair, I will sit up a little straighter and I will put my hands at my sides and take off my ball cap if I'm wearing one at a game. That's that's my way of, of acknowledging that we're doing something important. But as Cameron mentioned, it, it it's not something that I'm used to hearing, unfortunately or fortunately. So it's just not something that really crosses my mind that often unless I do actually notice that they have included it. Well... Uh, we want everyone to be included in this program, so if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, here's how you can do that. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth, and we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike, and hey gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at Neutral Zone CB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base right at Claire. She picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Brianna recently competed at the World Paracanoe event in Hungary. And it happened to be one of those events that was uh, combined between conventional canoe and para event and i recently sat down with her at the canadian paralympic committee summit and she was wonderful to sit down with and was really raw and emotional and we would also like to congratulate her on her second place finish at this event that i previously spoke about please enjoy this interview with with brianna let's start here i want to know what is your favorite pre-game snack, pre-race snack. What does Brianna like? Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Well, everyone knows that wherever I go, I bring gummy guys. So I always have my sour gummies with me. <laughs> so, so that's kind of my treat that I keep in my drawer beside uh, me in my hotel room, I guess. Um, and uh, it's funny because at the World Cup that just passed, uh, there was one of my teammates that brought jujubes and we started a couple of my teammates and I started a jujube reward system <laughs> when we were there. Um, so I would say candy. <laughs> I love candy. <laughs> we had you on our podcast a little while ago and one of the things I did not know was that you were a former boxing champion. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. Um, well, my, my dad's cousin uh, is Gil Kerwin, um, and I think, uh, I think he was eighth in the world at one point. Um, so I, I do have, uh, you know, boxing in my family, um, but uh, I, I got started in boxing, um, and um, 
I, I fell in love with it. It was it was contact like my other sports. It was my first individual sport that I had ever done. Um, and I, I had never put myself to that kind of, I guess, challenge in my life before. Um, I remember meeting my coach and telling him, oh, I, I've, I've ran down the rugby field with four girls on my back. And he said, just wait for 30 seconds on the heavy bag. Uh, and and I, I didn't believe him. And, and, you know, when I started training, I, I had never pushed myself to those kind of endurance points in my life. So um, it's a sport that I very much respect now um, that, that takes a lot of hard work and tenacity, yeah. Most sports, there are transferable skills. Now, obviously, all of your other sports, you're not exactly, you know, punching people or, or fighting with them. But are there transferable skills that you can take from boxing to your other Parasports? That's actually a really good question because what my coach did, it was very smart, is he tries to use physical cues when I'm kayaking um, that are like boxing. So, for example, when I am paddling, he'll tell me that if I'm if I'm jabbing out too too straight, which is what we don't want, he'll tell me to throw hooks instead. So it kind of gets my boxing brain back into momentum, um, and we use kind of some of those cues uh, from boxing to to paddle and get that precision uh, with both my arms when when I'm kayaking. Yeah. Family is always a big portion of what we do in our career. What has family done for you uh, in your career that, but for family, you wouldn't be where you are? Uh, well, I, I grew up with both my my parents uh, being in elite level sports, uh, playing on you know national level football uh, for over a decade each, and. Um, so I grew up with, with them as my role models, them showing me that, uh, you know, the determination and, and your, your self-discipline and your work ethic is, is so very important. Um, and, and, you know, uh, in the higher intensity, I guess, contact sports. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my, my parents have been my biggest cheerleaders too. And I learned that at a very young age that it's important in a family unit to support each other. And, and I think that was the first sense of team that I, that I was taught at a very young age. And, and maybe that's why I fell in love with team sports so much, um, you know, because you, you rise and you fall together. Um, but, um, you know, for me, my, my um, you know, I mentioned uh, in a couple of my other interviews that I, I, I lost my mother quite recently. Um, and, uh, you know, she was my rock. She was my, my number one fan. Um, and uh, she's, she's, for me, the, the, you know, the ultimate image of, of strength um, and uh, in everything I do um, in and outside of sports. So, uh, you know, with, without my family there, I, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. Um, and I have a paddle family now and I have a rugby family now. And, and these, are, these are the kind of communities that... Um, I love to, to try and share with anyone that new that has disabilities or that's going through their traumatic events and, and they haven't um, maybe yet connected with a new passion, um, is, is there are some very welcoming and loving communities out there to, to connect with. I'm uh, going to ask you one more tough question and then we're going to move on to the, the, the fun stuff. But family is always, you know, they, they come and they go as, as we progress in our career. And families use the words, I'm proud of you. And sometimes it's because, you know, we got a good mark on something we did. And it's the thing to say in the moments in life where you've done something good. I, I feel like parasports is a different realm. And, I, and I, what I mean by that is that there's always that moment where you feel the support of your family, where someone puts their hand on the shoulder and says, Brianna, I'm proud of what you've done. Do you have a moment where that really hit home for you? 
Yeah, I think um, with my dad, so um, I think he had the most difficult time with accepting that I was going to have uh, permanent disabilities after my accident. Um, when I first started wheelchair rugby, you know, he came to my games, but I, I could just tell I wasn't getting his heart and passion into it, which is what I need to keep my heart beating. And um, it was a very difficult time for me because um, I was still trying to accept who I was too. And uh, for me, when I, I came back from World Championships last year uh, with my silver and canoe and my bronze and kayak, and uh, my dad was in the backyard, he was just doing some gardening, and I came around back and I, I pulled out my medals and he took them out of my hands and um, he started crying. We're big sucks in my family. <laughs> We're super passionate and emotional. My dad is an English teacher, so everything has sentimental value. Um, but it was the first time that I really felt like he was proud of me since my accident. So um, it meant everything to me, yeah. Cool. I love that story. So you also uh, played wheelchair rugby. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Um, so that was the first para sport kind of that I tried. So I, um, when I was at the auto rehab center, the auto stingers, um, that was my first contact with para sport. I used to go down and watch them play wheelchair rugby. And uh, I couldn't believe that, that there were sort of this adult bumper cars game that was full <laughs> pin throttle and these guys having these massive smiles on their faces. And I said, what is this? <laughs> uh, I didn't know much about para sport before my accident, in all honesty. Um, so it was these guys that really got me in a chair and really got me going. It was these guys that took me out of my depression um, and, and just you know, gave me a bit of normalcy back in my life that was no longer normal at all. Um, so I, I have to, I have to give my heart to to my rugby boys back home. Yeah, I think there can be a level of rugby, as you mentioned, being this crash bang game. And uh, do, do you feel, as a woman, that you have had some struggles because it can be perceived as a man's game quote-unquote have you had some struggles and if so how have you overcome that and proven listen I belong just because I'm a woman means nothing I like adult you know bumper cars this is this is fine I think because before my accident for me personally I was always in contact sports always in male dominating sports even when I went to the boxing gym um, I remember spending the first year with nobody looking at me in the eyes um, and nobody even saying hi to me. And it, it sounds kind of crude, but hear me out. Um, in boxing, it's like a brotherhood. Um, and you realize that in lots of other sports, you go there wanting respect, but in, in with boxing, you earn it. Um, and um, I spoke at my, so I play for the Tampa Generals uh, or Warriors um, in, in um, the U.S., and it's, it's a team of war veterans. Um, so you have to understand that at first when I was, you know, a blonde ponytail coming into their, <laughs> onto their team, I knew I'd have to prove myself. Um, but I did have the experience of, of, you know, with the boxers in, in, in boxing, most people that spar, you know, let's say one out of 30 will actually stick around. Um, and the biggest form of respect I thought in boxing would have been to try and win a bout. And I remember winning my first bout and coming back to the boxing gym the next day. And I could still tell that there was something, some sort of holdback with the boys. They still weren't giving me the respect that I really wanted and that, that I was really yearned for. And what I realized is that it was the first TKO uh, in one of my fights um, um, when I came back 
after a complete humiliation um, with all my family and friends there watching and I came to the boxing gym the next day after you know I, I had been you know uh, knocked down to my knees and that was the first time that I got all the head nods from the guys. It was the first time that they looked at me and gave me that respect. Um, and so that's when I had learned that, you know, uh, not necessarily just with guys, but that I had to, to command and earn that respect. And I think, I think for me, um, going into Tampa, I was a little scared that I, I wouldn't get that, but I, I was prepared to earn it. And uh, I, being the third season with them now, I, I'm one of the guys, and I, I'm, uh, I'm right in there with them, and I, and I, I keep them in line. So... <laughs> It's always, that's my job now. <laughs> hey, it's always good to keep people in line. I <laughs> promise you that. Uh, we had you on the neutral zone a while ago, and and one of my favorite stories was uh, from your coach and uh, mentor. And one of the things you said to me when we first started to do this interview was that we haven't talked about this uh, yet today. And so for me, I'm I'm honored to bring this out. You're probably in your eighth or ninth interview whatever the number is and I know we talked about it but this is going to go out to a, a wider audience and so I really would like you to tell the story of uh, your mentor coach and what that meant to you so I'll probably get emotional again <laughs> but um whew. so um I was lucky enough to to qualify to be the only Canadian that qualified in paracanoe and kayak for Tokyo uh, for Canada um, and I was even luckier to have my, my coach, Joel Hazan, um, come with me, um, you know, through that journey all the way to Tokyo. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I, as much as I'm still learning so much now and have so much to learn, uh, in those moments, I was, you know, under a year that I had been doing that sport. So it was, it was a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of expectations I put on myself. I'm, I'm harder on myself than anyone can be, but, um, in those moments in Tokyo and, um, he knew that me going into this, I would be very overwhelmed. And so he, when we arrived in Tokyo, we actually did a training camp in Kamatsu beforehand. So we, we had a, a few weeks, but, um, he gave me a book, uh, the power of one. Um, and I read it and he told me, you, you have to find the saying in this. I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be telling you this before your races. So I knew I had to get this book done before, um, the, the competition started and, and I hadn't actually read a book since my accident. It's very difficult for me, so I had to get some help. But um, anyhow, um, what it came down to was, was before my race, when I was about to leave the dock. Um, <laughs> sorry. All good. My coach would get down on his knee and he'd put his, his um, fist over my heart. Um, and he would say, what are you going to do? It's a 200-meter race, so what are you going to do in the first 50 meters? Um, and I would say, you have to go with your head. And he said, what about the next 50? I said, you have to go with your head. And then he'd say, what about in the last 50? And I said, first with your head, then with your heart. So that's kind of what we did every uh, one of my races. So I, I knew I had him right here on my shoulder riding with me all the way down that race course. And I had all of his strength and, and all of his cool, calm and collectiveness um, just to, to drive me through uh, right to the finish line. So um, that was my most moving moment for me when I was in Tokyo. Yeah. What has Parasport done for you that, but for being involved in it, you would not have had happen? Um, I did a, a video for um, World Championships that were in Canada, actually, uh, for paddling um, this past summer. Um, and, you know, I, I stick to what I say and that I wouldn't be here without Parasport. 
Um, for me, it's, it's everything. It's my, it's my passion. It's my identity. It's my purpose. It's my reason to get out of bed every day. It's the only time that I have any distraction from my pain. Um, it's, um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's something in my life that I love to share with others because I want to share that, that strength. It's, it's kind of the only time where I can feel like I'm control of part of my life again. Um, so I, I, I find for me, parasport is a way of life. Um, it's everything to me. Yeah. What's, what is your goal for today? Uh, and have you accomplished it with the day slowly, but surely winding down as we do this? Um, I think for me, one of my biggest challenges is my, my cognitive capacity in a day uh, from my brain injury, um, which is often, again, it's kind of like those hidden disabilities that if you can't see it, nobody really understands that it's there. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult for me to, to sort of do some of the word finding the later on it gets in the day. So, so my goal was to still be able to sort of um, express myself and, and the, everything that's been flowing out of my heart and my love for parasport throughout the day. So I think uh, so far, so far <laughs> it's been going all right. Lots of, lots of passionate tears, but uh, we're getting there. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we, we love the um, honesty in, in athletes and I, uh, I'm going to use this in an actual interview. You know, sometimes you, you get this whole mentality of pucks in deep and 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 you know for checking and i'm just being an athlete and it's such the cle the cliche situations and you know a day like today when we set up and we do this and we think what are we going to get from athletes and i think for us as members of the media this is what we want and so you're a part of that and the i mean you've almost made me cry sitting here (laughs) and then i have to go no no don't don't like listen but don't really like listen listen because you're gonna start and then everybody in the room around us is gonna start one of us has to keep it together but i I just i love your your desire to to tell your story and the final one i have for you is what would you tell a young girl who's maybe been through an accident who says my life is over how do you respond to that I think one of the sayings that I use is, is once you believe in yourself, you become unstoppable. Um, another one is, is um, you know, I think every girl should, uh, I guess, wear their confidence and their, have their chin up higher than the heels that they wear. And, uh, and all that that means is, is uh, um, you know, follow, follow your heart and, and find the strength within you. Um, um, you know, to keep fighting on. And I, and I feel like as soon as you, you choose that you're worth it and you gain that self, self-worth back, um, your, your life will change and, and so will your perspective. And that's when the opportunities and the doors open. Brianna, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, we definitely learned more about you uh, today than we did with the first interview. So again, we sincerely appreciate that. And uh, best of luck with future stuff with your Parasports career. Thanks for having me. <laughs> that was Brianna Hennessy, para canoe athlete. And like I said earlier, I was at the recent Canadian Paralympic Committee Summit, and we congratulate her on her second place finish at the recent event she was part of in Hungary. If you like what you heard on this interview or anything else, here's how you can get a hold of us by voicemail. If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now, 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail!
One of the things that I have begun to really enjoy doing with any conversation that we have, whether it's with a interview that's, you know, with us, joining us, or pre-recorded, I love to take something from that interview and kind of talk about it. And today's episode is called Support Systems. And the reason the episode was titled this way is because Brianna really openly talked a lot about her family and what her family has meant to her and the fact that her mother uh, recently passed away um, at the time of that interview. It was in around a month um, when she passed away. And she really talked about the support of her mother and her mother being always there sort of with her and alongside of her. And for me, this really made me step back and think, the support systems that I had, that I was a part of. And without support systems, we can't really do much as athletes in, in sports, whether it's directly someone supporting you on the court, off the court, or anything in between. So I just sort of want thoughts on just the Brianna interview as a whole and specifically the support systems avenue. Cameron? Yeah, I thought the interview, it was, uh, you know, well done by both of you. Um, you were like a, a Barbara Walters, um, you know, mm -hmm. getting her to really uh, open herself up and uh, show emotions. Um, I really enjoyed her comment about um, when you had asked her, I believe it was about, um, you know, uh, what are some sayings in life uh, that she goes by? And she talked about keeping her chin up higher than her heels up, I believe. And I found that really interesting as far as, um, you know, uh, sayings go. And it's like, oh, okay, I understand where she's going with that. And um, just how much passion that she has inside of her. Um, you know, it's parallel to none. Um, she's just lost her mom a month ago um, and she's trying to keep it together and, you know, trying to compete, um, you know, kudos to her. And she's been on the show before and I have the utmost respect for her. Yeah, it was a fantastic interview. I greatly enjoyed it. Um, I, as with all of these CPC interviews, Brock, you've done a great job with them. So, so hats off to you. Uh, Having said that, I, I listened to the interview. I was I was really touched by it. And as with the other interview we've done with Brianna, she's she's very open, she's very honest, and sometimes that, that does mean some some tears and to to have to compete just after such a, a monumental loss has to be tough. Uh, I I'm very happy to see how well she was able to do at the world championships recently in uh, in Hungary and i just i hope she just continues to soar cuz she's an amazing athlete and an amazing person so really uh, really hopeful that she she does well and i mean in terms of the the family support system absolutely support systems are key you you can't do what you do as an athlete whether you're able-bodied or para-athlete, without your support system. And I know uh, my parents will often travel 
to various points around the province to watch me play hockey or throw shot put javelin discus or whatever I happen to be doing. And it just, it, it gives me that wonderful, wonderful feeling to be able to climb into my throw chair or get into my crease and look out into the crowd. And there they are standing there, just, just proud as can be. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be the athlete I am without my support. Yeah, I, I, um, I want to tell you, uh, just to give you a little bit of insight when I got to, uh, sit down with, uh, Brianna, first of all, when she, uh, rolled into the room that I was, uh, in, she, she knew right away, uh, who I was and that we had met before. And she just was really, really, um, open and, and really, you know, was honest. And I remember before we hit the record on this, uh, I asked her, I said, listen, I'm going to ask you uh, about support systems and I'm going to ask you about, you know, how you have managed with supports and all that. And uh, not knowing that her mother had uh, passed away, uh, she expressed to me again before we hit record that uh, this had happened and I said you know do, do you do you still want to discuss this and she said yes uh, because without my mother um, I wouldn't be where I am today and so we went on to discuss that and it was a real great great interview I remember too she told me that you know she this isn't the first interview that she had cried in um she's just she said that she was the one that um you know everyone was like oh some of her teammates were like brianna just stop crying and it's like i, I you know i just i have emotions and i do that and to me this is the 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 greatest thing about doing interviews such as this one and and Brianna has an absolute infectious laugh. Like when we were laughing and before and after uh, the recording, I mean, she was just incredible. And I really, really appreciate what she did in the emotion. And um, full disclosure, this is the first of at least two interviews that I uh, unintentionally made two athletes uh, cry uh, because of my Rock. cry. I know, I know, right? It's just, I'm sorry, it's coming in the, in the future. I apologize, but <laughs> it's uh, it was good. And, and you'll see many more interviews uh, down the line as we still have a handful of them to uh, release to you. But today, this one was special for me because just knowing that uh, it was Mother's Day over the weekend as we record this, you know, Monday being released on Tuesday. And I just thought it was kind of important to tip the cap to to mothers and support systems. So once again, uh, congratulations to Brianna and we will have her back on the show again because she's a wonderful, wonderful interview. Before we get into uh, mainstream sports topic, I wanted to ask both of you, um, was there ever situations where, where you looked and you thought, wow, I'm really glad that my support network was here to see X situation? And obviously we can talk about sports because we are a sports show but if there was something else i'd like you to 
tell me about it or tell us about it because I think it's important to know. So, Cameron, was there ever a situation where you looked up into the stands or wherever you were and said, thank goodness, you know, my support system was here to see this take place? Yeah, it's when I uh, played para ice hockey or sledge hockey and I... I don't remember what championship it was. Um, might have been Collingwood, and I didn't think my parents would be coming um, because of snow and you know that type of thing. And uh, I ended up finding out that they were in the stands and they were watching me play. And um, in my career as a you know a goalie in pair ice hockey. Um, the tournaments, those were my jam. Those were, for some reason, I was the best uh, when I was playing those tournaments. So it meant a lot to me that they were there. And I think we got a silver medal, if I remember correctly, that time. Um, but yeah, it was just because I didn't think that they would be coming. Um, that was such a joyous moment for me. And I was really, you know, happy that my support system or my parents uh, were there for me. So um, that that's one off the top of my head that sticks out to me. Yeah, for me, the 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 one that probably stands out, I would say the most, was uh, a very recent event actually, and not only my my parents were there, but uh, Brock, you and and Catherine and possibly Megan made the trip down as well uh, to Oakville to watch us play in a semifinal hockey game, and. Uh, it was just, it, it was a crazy game. It was a situation where we were, we were tied at the end of regulation. We, we played overtime and then we ended up in, I believe it was a five round shootout and being the, the goalie for the pair ice hockey team, it kind of falls on your shoulders when, when you get to shootout time. <laughs> and it was just like, it sure as I am does. so glad everyone's here because I am either going to need people to celebrate with or I am going to need people to pick me up off the floor because I am going to be feeling like crap. And just everybody was yeah. there. Everybody watched. Uh, we ended up bringing home the gold medal in the, the league championship this year, which was very exciting, but we couldn't have gotten there without that, uh, that, that particular game. And I mean, no matter what season I think of or what event I think of, whether it's my track and field or, or my, my sledge hockey, my pair ice hockey, I've always had my, my parents, at certain events and it just it means the world to me and uh, just I, I've even introduced friends to, to the sport through through different events and they've come to support me so it's just it's I, I can hardly describe the feeling of knowing that you've got friends and family there to to cheer you on it just it makes a world of difference yeah I'm gonna tell you um, of two scenarios where and then i'm gonna get back to uh watching josh in the final just for a couple of minutes because there's a few at least one story from up in the stands that i want to share with the audience that that is that, <laughs> uh -oh. that's a good one so but for me uh support system listen uh as a person who requires you know top to bottom you know personal care on a, on a daily basis without my support system in sport, in life, in career, I would be 
nowhere. I do not look uh, as good as I do on any merit due to the fact that I do it. It's because of uh, my support system that put me up and make sure that I'm dress nicely before we do these things or any other thing so support systems are 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 a big deal um but for me it's um two situations one was in the paralympic games when my father uh said uh to me once when we were having a training camp and he comes in off the court and to to get my equipment and bring it back for another end and he says to me oh um um uh you you do actually listen to what i say uh you do actually take in <laughs> what i say you do you do this as well so it's uh it's it's really an interesting thing when you have dynamics of your father uh being being on the court with you the second one was one in uh Beijing, China, when we went to for the world championships, and I just struggled and struggled and struggled, and it was very tough. It was very hard, and I ended up beating by I don't know what by luck by skill I have no idea, but I ended up beating the the number two guy in the world at an event that I just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and I have a picture, and if you zoom in. On the picture uh, that you're looking at right now, you can see there's one in the uh, left corner as you're looking at it. And that's me with my mother. And my mother is in the background almost with tears in her eyes because she knew how much of a struggle it was for me, that event. And I was able to do it and do it well. So uh, I appreciate all the supports that I've ever had. And uh, without support systems, uh, you will be nowhere in life and in sport. Um, Before we um, move on from this, I just wanted to mention, I met Josh's parents uh, about a year and a half ago, and we've, we've, we've become, you know, relatively good friends. Um, And I was standing up in the stands in this final with Josh's parents and the periods kept ticking by and and Josh's father was just a ball of nerves. And Josh's dad turns to me and says... Cam knows my dad, too. Yep. I was going to say, that's Mr. Watson. Yeah. Great guy. And, ball of and, nerves. And I remember turning to Russ and saying, um, are you going to be okay? And he said, yeah, I'll be fine. Uh, Josh has only made me uh, uh, cry once in his career. And I said, "Will it only be once if uh, if he wins a gold medal?" And this was about halfway through the the third period, and they won. And I turned back to Russ and I said, "How about now? Are you going to cry?" And he looks at me and he goes, "Shut up!" And turns around and walks the other way. And it, it was just the moment that I I mean I just loved it all. Uh, Why well, you got to put him on the spot around, like that? Around, you know, <laughs> it was so fun and. The, the joy that we all had, it was great. So uh, we appreciate it. And I'm sure if uh, Russ can listen to this, he'll be so thrilled that I put that out there. But, yeah, it's all good. And you need your support. I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs. We don't have any Canadian teams left. Your thoughts on that as a whole, Josh? I'm a Leaf fan. We all know this. We're all Leaf fans, I think. So <laughs> I'm I'm very disappointed. 
I would really like to talk to the head of officiating and ask how you have a delay of game puck over glass penalty when there's no glass. But you know what? At the end of the day, it, it, it's a situation where, unfortunately, these two teams that we had left, Edmonton and Toronto, just weren't quite good enough. Now, I think Edmonton probably had a better opportunity to beat Vegas than maybe Toronto did, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I just, I, I'm really disappointed because I feel like a majority of fans here are likely to turn off the the Stanley Cup playoffs now that there are no Canadian teams left. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that there has to be a Canadian team in every playoff. That That's not how this works. But it's just it's very disappointing that neither of these teams were able to uh, to, to move on. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and what happens is when your first and second lines aren't uh, firing and getting you the goals and assists that you need, um, it comes down to your third and fourth liners. And that's what happened. Even with Florida, I think uh, Kachuk, I don't know, uh, he may have gotten one goal, uh, but he didn't get a lot either. It's like for me in the playoffs, it's always the third and fourth lines that come up with the big goal in both Edmonton and Toronto uh, didn't have that. Um, so that's really disappointing. Uh, the refs, yeah, it's disappointing, but a lot of people only take a look at their own teams to see where the uh, mistakes happen, but it happens on both sides. So I don't really think the referees, um, you know, make that much of an outcome on the game. Uh, you might say yes, because, you know, they're down by a goal. And if this person was caught for the hooking or if this person was caught for the tripping, they could have gotten that goal. Um, but I think at the end of the day, both teams, they had enough chances to be able to, um, you know, win it and they didn't. So it's another couple of disappointing seasons in both Edmonton uh, and Toronto. And considering that uh, definitely McDavid's a generational player, Mc, um, Matthews, that could be up for debate whether or not he's a generational player. Um, but they're seven years, six, seven years into both of their careers now. Um, and, you know, uh, second round for Matthews. And I think McDavid got to the conference final, but didn't get any further than the conference final. I think that was last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah. So, you know, the like their best years are starting to, you know, go behind them. So... Uh, you know, they they got to do something in both um, organizations to, you know, try to win it all. And it's going to be interesting to see for both teams this summer uh, what's going to happen uh, front office-wise and uh, player-wise. So now that there's no Canadian team left, who becomes the rooting interest for all of you um, now that we sit here with you know, nobody left uh, from a Canadian team perspective, and there's about you know, uh, um, you know, uh, less less teams to pick from. Uh, who's who's the rooting interest? Uh, Cameron, start with you. Hockey is dead to me. Leafs are out. <laughs> um, saying that. Wow. Yeah, like I do mean that. Like I probably won't watch a lot of the hockey now because the Leafs are out. But well, I do want to bring one interesting point that I think I've observed between uh, Canada and the States as it goes to hockey. 
in Canada, if the Leafs are out, if the Habs, well, Leafs would never want the Habs to win. But a lot of the times, if there's another Canadian hockey team in it, people are like, oh, well, I want to go this team because I want Canada uh, to win the cup. If it's an American team, once their team's out, they're like, okay, we're done. Don't care. Don't want it to be an American team. I'm not going to cheer for another team just to have it in America. So, I don't know. I just find that to be an interesting point. Um, Vegas looked really good in their series. And I don't know, maybe the Canes, they're looking pretty good uh, in the East too. And <laughs> Frederick Anderson, I believe he's still on that uh, team. So wouldn't it be really interesting if the Canes ended up winning the Stanley Cup with Frederick Anderson? Boy, oh boy. Josh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it, it's kind of going to be a toss-up. It's probably going to be a case where I'll watch a game or two of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, see if a team grabs my attention. Um, I will say if Seattle manages to beat Detroit, then I may watch just to see if Seattle, the expansion team, can actually win the Stanley Cup. That'd be kind of cool. But otherwise, whether it's Carolina, whether it's Florida, whether it's you know, Dallas or Seattle, whether it's Las Vegas, I really don't care now. I really don't. Um, Hockey is I wish I us. did. <laughs> I, I wish I did, but I just, I don't. It's baseball season. The Blue Jays are doing well. I'll, I'll be watching that more often than not, but we'll see. We'll see. One team may, may definitely grab my attention. I made sure for Carolina just for the fact that they can put Florida out. That would make me happy. Yeah, I, I struggle because we have a situation where we we could have two expansion teams uh, battling each other in the uh, conference final. And that really, I don't know, I struggle with this one. I just, should we have two expansion teams in, in the conference final? This one is a real hard pill for me to swallow because it's like, this is not the design of expansion teams. Vegas has blown that all out of proportion since they've been in the existence going to the Stanley Cup final. Like, this is just driving me insane, Josh. Am I, am I the only one that just feels like this is wrong and not okay? I think what's happening in that regard is that we are looking at it from our version of what an expansion team should be. There's nothing in any rule book or any blueprint that says that an expansion team has to stink and it just so happens that expansion teams have changed after after las vegas came into the league vegas proved that you can have an expansion team and be if not good then at least decent and so now that is the model everybody wants to try and be the next vegas that's not a bad thing for the league, but it is going to be strange if we have uh, if we have Vegas versus Seattle. And you know, like with but hey, go for it. Yeah, Why like not? for both uh, of those uh, ex the latest expansion teams, uh, they did not have the same uh, rules as your San Jose Sharks or your Ottawa Senators. Like I don't know if they didn't have a first round draft pick in three years or five years or whatever the stipulation was back in the Ottawa San Jose days, but the restrictions were much tighter back then and that's why you had such a horrible team. But now they look at it as, well, if we're going to be charging $900 million, $1 billion for a franchise, you don't want that franchise to suck because you want to be able to build 
you know, your fan base and get butts in the seats. And that's why they don't have the tight rules that they used to for expansion. Um, because, you know, if your team sucks for five to 10 years, who's going to keep up with it? And then that money is not, as you point out, very accurately. If you if your team doesn't do well, that means that you're not making the revenue back of what you charged to get that expansion team. I do get it. I just don't like the way I guess I have a hate on for Vegas, to be honest, because I don't <laughs> like the way, uh, you know, George McPhee and and the ownership group did that. It was it was very much of a bullish kind of way of doing things if you don't give me this smart no no it's uh, it's called negotiation it was awesome that they did it sure if that's the way you want to put it that it was (laughs) negotiation but it was i think it was a little bit of an aggressive ploy but in the end he got what he wanted to do and that's fine i guess i i am openly rooting for the Dallas Stars uh, to to knock. I do not want to see two expansion teams in a, in a conference final. No, no, thank you. No, I don't want any of them to win. Hockey's dead. And and as I close the show out, I will tell you this: Producer Brock Richardson is hearing. Do not talk to Cameron Jenkins about the playoffs because he ain't watching it <laughs> the next little while. But it, you know what? <laughs> hockey is still hockey, and I know baseball season's there now, and the Jays are doing what they're doing, and that's cool, and everyone's happy with it, which we'll get into the Jays uh, next week. Maybe we'll even touch on a little bit of NBA because there is some intriguing uh, matchups in, in those conference finals that we could talk about uh, for a couple of minutes but yeah in- I want to talk about Kikuchi oh we, oh, we can talk about Kikuchi <laughs> hey look at that time's ending on the broken no, not quite almost <laughs> but, but uh, it's, it's, yes Kikuchi is doing better than anyone would have anticipated that is the truth uh, they've had this way of you know being uh, these comeback kids lately of just like we're down and we're gonna we're going to pull ourselves out of this. So enjoy the uh, the Blue Jays as they start a uh, four-game series beginning on Monday against the New York Yankees. And then the Baltimore Orioles follow in their steps. So that is the end of our program for this week. I would like to thank Cam Jenkins, Josh Watson. I'd also like to thank Jordan Steves, who was filling in for our regular technical producer, Mark Aflalo. Our podcast coordinator is Ryan Delahanty. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Be safe, be well. 